Good morning. Where is he? Here he comes. Uh, wow. I just, I love that little video clip. Gets your attention, doesn't it? It's really short. Gets right to the point. Well, this morning we're starting a brand new series called God is Bigger. And I thought we'd jump in the first installment of this series calling God is Bigger Than My Secret. At church, we're going to tell secrets today. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them your darkest secret. No, we're not. Somebody says, she knows it. Okay. We're not going to do that right now. But there is a place and there is a time for that that I'll try to discuss biblically today. But as we get into this, I, I, I did some research on this all week and studying the scriptures and looking at some things I found that were very interesting. Secrets are universal for old and for the young. You remember when you're a little kid and you go, secret i want to tell you you remember those kids grandkids whatever i mean we we tell secrets and and yet we have to be careful because like well and then maybe some stranger some perverted guy tells a secret like no we, we don't want him around and then there's those secrets that we carry around in life some of them go public some of them just seem to stay behind the doors we think but they always secrets i notice they produce shame they produce guilt. They produce a heavy heart. They produce a lot of emotions. So this morning, I want us to think together, what is your secret? Because see, what I know about the human heart, my heart and yours, is that we all have secrets. We've come in here and some of us are like, oh my goodness, man, mine is dark. If, if I'm found out, nobody will like me. Nobody will accept me. We talked about it all weekend. We had a leadership uh, training event with Chip Jackson from Fellowship Bible out of Arkansas. It was an amazing time. And we talked about one of the things that we've asked God for since day one, that this would be a place of acceptance. And the body of Christ said, and the body of Christ said, guys, let me tell you, that's been one of the greatest ministries we've had. What I've learned is that we're accepted in the beloved, and I try to teach that all the time, but we have people in here that come in from all kind of walks of life and hurt and pain and shame and guilt, and they find acceptance, and they tell me all the time, and they live here, and they move, and they do all these things, and they go, man, at that place, I found acceptance in the body of Christ. I found acceptance from others. And then the big question today is, is there an escape from secrets? Do I have to stay bound up in my secret and only have it and confide and it weighs me down well i'd say yes you could but i was as i was studying this this week and i don't read this guy much he was a tremendous mind he's got zillions of sermons out there and people us preachers will have commentaries and stuff his name was spurgeon and he talks in kind of a not kind of he talks in an archaic way that we don't talk we just don't talk he was around in the 1850s any of you around in the 1850s yeah, I didn't think so. In 1857, he, he preached on secrets. And I found this thing, I thought it was interesting. So I just wanted to read just a little portion and, and see if it touches you. As I read it, the, the language was kind of weird, but man, the depth, the insight was good. To you, sirs, who sin secretly and yet make a profession, you break God's covenants in the dark and you wear a mask of goodness in the light. To you, sirs, who shut the doors and commit wickedness in secret, to you I shall speak this morning. When's the last time I said, and to you, sirs, I mean, that's just kind of weird to me, okay? Listen to what he says. Oh, may, I, may God also be pleased to speak to you and make you pray this prayer. Cleanse thou from my secret faults. 
I shall endeavor to urge upon all pretenders present to give up, to renounce, to detest, to hate, to abhor all secret sins. Certain I am there are none of us who would like to have all our secrets read, especially our secret thoughts. If I should select out of this congregation of a holy man, should bring him forward, and now, now, sir, I know all your thoughts, and I'm about to tell them. Now, let me pause there. I remember when we first, the first Sunday in here, I looked up those big screens, and I thought, man, these are going to be so cool for worship and teaching. And I remember using the example over and over, how many of you would come back if on these side screens, your secrets and your inmost thoughts came up when you walked in? You're like, man, no way. So listen to this message. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, uh, listen to this. He goes, I would bring him forward. I am sure he would offer the largest bribe that he could gather if I would be pleased to conceal at least some of his secrets. But I have here some true Christians who indulge in secret sins. They say it's a little one, therefore they, do they spare it. Dear brethren, I speak to you, I speak to myself, and I say this, let us destroy all our little secret sins. They're called little if they be. Let us remember that foxes, even the little foxes, spoil our vines, for our vines have tender shoots. Let us take heed of our little sins. A little sin, I love this line, is like a pebble in the shoe, and it will make a traveler to heaven walk very wearily. Little sins, little thieves may open the door to greater ones outside. Christians recollect that little sins will spoil your communion with Christ. Thank you, Spurgeon, for speaking to us this morning. And yet I read that, and I didn't man, that is, that is good. That is really good truth. In, in those days, sometimes they would preach at least an hour and a half. Don't you wish we would bring that back? I don't think so. Okay. And because uh, we, we're in this thing, we're not into marinating, we're into microwaves. We want it short, snappy. The, the word is pithy. We want it pithy, okay? But here, here's, what I, here's the thought I want you to remember. Just write it somewhere on your notes today. God loves you and me in spite of our secrets. Is that a good thought? In spite of my shame, my guilt, my remorse, my sadness, my wickedness, my evil, God loves me. He doesn't love me more. He doesn't love me less. He is just love, and he's crazy about us this morning. And I was looking at some verses as, as I was studying through this secret thing in Mark 4, For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought into the light. Now, I don't know when you, read, when you hear that verse, you read that verse, it's a little scary, isn't it? Everything that I do in darkness, in my closet, away from people, I think they're private, I think nobody will know, Jesus says those will be revealed. Matthew 10, 26. Fear them not therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall be revealed and hid that shall, and hid that shall not be known. Luke 12, 2. Nothing has been covered that will be exposed. Whatever is in secret will be made known. See, in heaven, it's really just open scandal. God just, he shines the light. And as the body of Christ, Christ wants to shine the light on us as a congregation, as people individually, as we have fellowship and communion with him. And God wants to rid our hearts of these things that kind of hold us back and they squeeze us. And so this morning, you've, you've got a, an outline. Would you look at the back of your worship guide with me? Will you look there? I've got a lot of different scriptures today. And there's patterns, five patterns you will look at that are transferable to all secrets. And you'll kind of look at this uh, pattern today, and you'll maybe go, wow, man, that is so true, or I haven't thought about it in that way. So I just want us to jump into this. But as you look at that, I want you to open your Bibles over to 2 Samuel. Can you turn over to 2 Samuel? Old Testament passage, rich passage of Scripture. Chapter 11, it's known as the story 
of David and wait a minute, wait a minute. David and Bathsheba. Well, you could say Uriah, but David and Bathsheba, and we, we know that story. And as we begin to walk through it, there is a slide to secrecy in the life of King David. And he just, it's kind of a slippery slope, and that, and that slope is there for you and me this morning. We can just kind of slide into that. So let's look at the first one. He became softened to the commands of God. He just became softened to him. His heart just got kind of, uh, you know, they, they were pliable and, and they were just soft and, um, and, and God had told him to do some things as he tells us to do, but he just kind of grew soft in the point that he didn't really want to respond totally. Matter of fact, I was looking over there, if you just write in the, in the margin, Deuteronomy 17, and as you look there, it's interesting that it talks about these kings and all the things they were to possess, and, and, and let me read this to you. Just write down uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16. Listen to what God's word says. I thought this was fascinating. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses for the Lord has told you. You must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from God. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. And he goes through this litany of these things. This is what I want you to do. These are the things that I command you to do. Now, here's what I know about David from studying his life. David followed a lot of them. David followed most of them. But he didn't follow all the commands of God. And he sinned. Now, before we get on King David, let's think about you and me. You came here today and go, Keith, I am extremely religious. I'm extremely committed to Christ. Amen. I'm extremely this. Okay. But then you'd go, but you know there are some things, or there's an area or two that I'm just not following the commands of God. I'm just, I'm out of line. I'm, I'm not listening to him. And what happens? I just write my notes. That's where we get in trouble. That's where our hearts are soft toward the commands of God and we don't have boundaries. Let's look at the second one. We loosen our own personal disciplines. We always get in trouble when we uh, negate the disciplines that God has for disciples. Would anybody agree with me today that to be a disciple of Jesus is to live a disciplined life? Yes or no? Yes. If you're going to follow Christ, it's a narrow road. And it's a, it's a road that many will choose not to follow. It's a road of sacrifice. It's a road of dying. It's a road of picking up your cross daily, denying self, and following Jesus. And that's the road to Calvary. That's the road to heaven. That's the road that God has its own. So we loosen these. Jesus, in the scripture it says, Jesus got up early as it was his habit. He went off to the quiet place, to the mountain, and he prayed and he talked to his father consistently daily. So if we're not careful, we can loosen those. Another one was uh, Daniel. Man, Daniel, the scripture right in the first chapter, he goes, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself and eat the royal food that was offered him. And he wanted to be a holy man and he wanted to be after God's heart. Great, great story there. And I'm just thinking about us. So we loosen our disciplines. Let's, uh, let's get extremely practical this morning, I think. It'd be like uh, uh, the word just. Write down the word just, just, and circle it on your notes right now. Just write down just, J-U-S-T, and circle it. And here's what I want you to think about. You're saying, well, I'm going to do this and this and this, but just this one thing, just this. Now, this is something for me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a legalist. I don't, wanna, I don't like legalism. 
this is my personal conviction, okay? But it served me well. Don and I have talked about this over the years, and I have chosen not to have lunch with women other than my wife or kids unless I'm in the company of other people. I, over the years, I've had women call me and go, Pastor, I would like to tell you my secrets. That scares the rip out of me. Pastor, I would like to talk to you about this. Like, okay, can I bring my wife? Can I have other people, you know? And, and the thing is, so I don't have lunch. And some of you say, oh, Pastor, Pastor, you're, you're too funny, buddy. You know, what is this, man? I just want to have lunch with her. I got to tell you, I got too many friends. I know too many people that they've lost their marriage. They've lost their witness because they're out there. Because at lunch, they weren't careful, and they started doing what? Started some serious flirting. I remember one time I walked in a restaurant. And I saw this man, and he was sitting on this side of this Mexican restaurant with this woman, and it was not his wife. And when he saw me, he tried to climb the wall like a cat. And he wasn't going, we're just having a, a nice little business lunch and drinks. Was not. There was an affair in the making. I knew he was in trouble. So I just tell you that to say, man, that, that's a good one. And so you have to form, here's what I want you to think. You have to form your own convictions as Christ shapes you by his word and go, just this, just that. I mean, that just thing will get us in trouble. Look at the third one, infatuation. Now, sometimes we just get infatuated over uh, uh, this sin or, or, or some situation in our life. Uh, it's like, uh, you remember when you were in seventh grade? Some of you say, yeah, I was in seventh grade last year. I'm in seventh grade now, or I want to be in seventh grade. Okay, but how many of you in the room, most of you are over seventh grade, do you remember did you ever get fixated on puppy love in seventh grade? Just raise your hand if anybody ever had puppy love in seventh grade. It was sweet, wasn't it? Yeah. You just want to go there and you just want to like pet her hair or whatever, you know? And man, it was like deep. And you thought, man, like I'm going to send you a note. Do you like me? Let me know. And she was so embarrassed, she'd like send it through her four, seven, seven different friends. And they'd come back and go, no. And then what we do as guys, and we walked around depressed all day, or if she said yes, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but she said yes. Okay, so infatuation. Uh, but let, let, let's make it adult. We get infatuated with stuff. We get infatuated with, with people. We get infatuated with uh, cars. We get infatuated with homes. Uh, just, just name something. You're just like, man, I'm just kind of drawn into that. I slide into that. And, and looking, you know, it's, it's okay to take a look or a glance, but if we're not careful, what does looking always lead to? Kind of sometimes we're not careful, it leads to a gulk, it leads to lust, and men are like, yes, and it's not only men now, man. It, the, the more we live and society progresses or I think evolves or whatever, people say, man, I get in trouble in this area, and I'm looking for something, and, and my mind fixates. And there's a quote, it's going to come up on here. I want you to see this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I love this German theologian. I just, I love his mind. Write this in your notes, so leave it up there. When lust takes control, Satan does not fill us with the hatred of God, but with the forgetfulness of God. That's the key line. I mean, we can get wrapped up in all these things, but man, when we forget God, when we forget to invite God into the situation, when we forget God, like, God, take my mind, take control, take over here. Lord, I want to pray through this. We get in trouble. Would anybody agree that this statement is true? Absolutely, man. Dietrich was just a... a, a uh, man, just a prolific writer, but man, his heart for the gospel, his heart for discipleship. He, that's what one book he wrote called, was called The Cost of Discipleship, if you ever want to go and get some really heady, deep reading. And, and so if you're sitting there taking notes, and many of you do, and some of you just, you, you give back a, a, an outline to me, it looks like the one I gave you, okay? 
you're saying, but I'm cerebral. It's all in my head. I remember everything you said. Well, man, that's awesome because I don't remember what I said last week. But, but here's the thing. Just write this down. Devote your eyes to the Lord. That's for men and women. Lord, help us to be people that are pleasing to you. Help us to devote our eyes to you. Help us to be captivated by the beauty of Christ. In Psalm 51, 4, against you only have I sinned, David confessed. Lord, it's against you. It's against heaven. I've sinned against you, God. I've blown it. I have somehow, in my heart, I've chosen to reject the sufficiency of Jesus. And I've chosen to play or to participate or to embrace my sin. But Lord, I've rejected you. And the habit of my heart has been that I've redirected my engagement towards you. That's a great word, engagement. I just pray that as a body of Christ, we would engage Christ. We would engage his people. And we'd say, Lord, direct our hearts. Give us a community here, Lord. We talked about it a lot this weekend, that we're a community of believers. Dave, this morning, one of our elders, as he welcomed you and prayed over you, he talked about the power of connection. And so many are learning that, and so many fight it. I don't understand. God's called us into community, and we'll talk about that more. Look, look at the fourth one. I want you to see this. Defend. You know, that's the pattern there for secrets. We just begin to defend ourselves. Another word I'd say is justify. We would justify our actions. We would uh, just say, well, God's will is for me to be happy. And I go, no, it's not. God's will for you is to be holy. Now, happiness might come, and happiness sometimes is a byproduct of that, and I like you to be happy, but more than that, I want you to be like Christ. And the church said, man, that's a big amen. Well, that was like a weak amen. Sherwood from heaven's going, I'll just amen myself. Sherwood was my friend that was about 475 on the day he lost some weight. And he could preach, and he had a voice of God. And, and he called me little brother, so I liked him a lot. I'd fly to Sacramento to a conference, and sometimes he'd go, you want me to pick you up, little brother? I'd go, you come on, brother. And he'd take me to eat turnip greens, and we really became my best friend. Didn't have no turnip greens like that except at Sports Palace. I forgive you, though, Vicky. And, uh, and, uh, but it was, it was a great thing, and, and then he, and he had this great line. He'd always say, well, I just amen myself. And he wrote a book, Amen All By Myself. You know, I always think about it every time I want to get an amen from y'all. Like, well, I just amen me. Okay, here we go. Number five. Look at the fifth one. Erosion. Eroding our affections. In this particular story, man, things go from bad to worse. Uh, Bathsheba, she's what? She's pregnant. She's going to have a child. And there's been the big cover-up that we'll look at there in, in chapter 11, 2 Samuel. And it's not a good situation but you know what I love about our Father? God never pulls back his love. God never really totally withdraws himself from David. He's disappointed with David like he is with you and me when we hold secrets, when we hold our sin. But he loved David and he pursued David. And David finally became known as we studied uh, about a year or two ago when I did that series on David, that, God, uh, that David was a man after what? God's own heart. Man, you're like, man, this, this adulterer, this liar, this murderer, and God says, but David, you're a man after my heart. And at the end of my days, that's what I just want God to say is, Keith, you're after my heart. Dave, Tim, Bill, Susan, Zelda, you pursued my heart. That's pleasing to the Lord, church. And, and here, look in the middle of your page. Circle it in your outline. It says our secrets hold us. 
They have power over us if we're not careful, and they hold us back. They hold us back from becoming all that we want. Here's what we do. We take our secrets sometimes, and we throw them in the closet, and we close the door. And then we get another secret, and we throw it in the closet, and we close the door. And then you go over there. Have you ever been in that closet in your house, and you open the door, and everything fell out? I mean, you know, I'm kind of excited that, 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 you know, like you, you got these clothes, like you just, like you ever tried to just cram more than needed to go in there? Like you're going to bend the door, you're going to break the door because like you're stuck. You know, that's what we do with secrets sometimes. We just, and it's in the, it's in the dark. It, it, it's a way. It's in the closet. Nobody sees it. God does. We go, man, I'm fooling everybody at church. And you can. We, we can fool one another. I mean, it happens all the time. But God says, I don't want you to hide it from me. I want you to lay it out. Let me just throw some things out here today. These are some realities this morning. Some people in this room, or people that will listen, they've been abused and they've never really fully dealt with that. And that's been a secret of their past and it's been hard. There's some people in here and that have trafficked in this room over the years. And they've had suicidal thoughts. Praise God, many, most of them never acted on them, but some did. Some in here today could go, my secret is my poverty or my depression. I've got PT, PTSD or I've got a criminal background or a criminal past and I don't want anybody to know. I've got debt. Everybody's like, well, welcome to Christ's community, okay? But then there's one. It's the big one. There's some folks in here today, mainly men, but women too. And they're addicted to porn. And pornography is ruining their lives, and God wants to free them. There have been women that have walked into this room, and their secret was an abortion some years ago. And by the power of Jesus, I never will forget the morning that this room was standing room only, hundreds and hundreds of people. And I preached on pro-life, and I don't know what happened. It had to be a spirit moment. I certainly didn't have it planned. I, I called for women to be free that day and to not carry the shame and i just asked if anybody would like to be free today in christ would you stand and make your declaration five women stood up in that service and they got free of the shame and the secret that had ruined their lives i'm talking about guts i went those women have spiritual guts you're saying pastor why do you cast such a wide net because we're a, a wide net kind of church of people that have gathered with lots of issues but i was looking at this story of second samuel and I'm, I, I'm gonna go back in and out of it and i want you to read it in second samuel 11 second samuel 12 but i want you to turn over to psalm 32 will you turn over there to the psalmist with me psalm 32 this is a rich passage oh what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Now I want you to really see verse 3 and following. I want you to square it off. I want you to draw a box. If you come look at my New Living Translation Bible here, I've got it boxed. When I box something, I'm like, I'm coming back. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. 
My street evaporated like water in the summer heat. Listen, man, verse 5, man, there's hope coming. Finally, and it says finally. You know what finally is in the Greek? Finally. I confessed all my sins to you. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I mean, I'd circle the word hide. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And it says, and God was mad and he withheld and he sent fire. You're saying, what Bible are you reading? I made that up. He didn't say that. Let me get to what God says. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. Oh, man, I love that. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Can anybody just put your hands together and praise God for the confession of David and the hope that we have in Christ? Amen? Isn't that awesome, man? I look at that and I go, man, God, that is so cool. Wasting away, that is not cool. But I went and did some research uh, from a, a, a Princeton study. You know, those people in Princeton, they're really smart. Like They got like brain cells like I read about one time. And a guy named Martin Day, Dr. Martin Day, was doing postdoctoral research. And, and this article intrigued me. And, and here's what it was. He says, guilt is important because it plays a role in regulating our moral behavior. It can help us correct our mistakes and prevent future wrongdoings. Of course, people know that guilt feels unpleasant and it is sometimes associated with feelings of tension and regret. And then he has this, weighed down by guilt, research shows it's more than a metaphor. You ever hear anybody said, brother? Sister, you heavy. Now, you don't say that to them, okay? But, man, you feel heavy. You look heavy. You sound heavy. Well, we just go, well, that's just a metaphor, you know, your guilt. No, here's what research showed. I thought this was awesome. People often say guilt is like a weight on one's conscience. And we examine whether guilt is actually embodied as a sensation of weight. In a series of studies, we asked students and members of the public to recall a time that they did something unethical. People recalled a variety of wrongdoings lying stealing cheating some sin and we found listen to this that recalling personal unethical acts led participants to report an increased subjective body weight as compared to recalling ethical acts in other words they're basically saying in this research we lie we we sin we hold secrets it guilt it adds weight to us and some of you are like i'm going on a diet and you're saying, that's my problem. That's why I can't lose weight. I got all this guilt. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. I'm, that's reading too much into the uh, research. But how many in this room would agree with this fact? When I have a secret and I don't confess it to the Lord, it weighs me down. Would you just raise your hands? I'm raising both. You want to raise both hands? Would you agree? Y'all not honest over here? Okay. Yeah. Hey, thank, thank you, Rob. You're honest, man. You raise both. You need both hands up just like I do. Okay, here we go. All right. Talk about it. You know what? Just write down this thought. Guilt destroys confidence, doesn't it? Guilt damages relationships. Because you know what happens when we get guilty and we waller in guilt? We become uh, introverted. We self-absorbed. We think it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. How many of you like friends that are all about me, all about me, all about me? You ever had a friend? It's all about me, all about me. What, what, what me are you doing? What me? I, I, I. It's all about me. Hey, you be my... I, 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 huh? Like, do you care about me? No, it's all about me. And what do you do? I put those friends to the curb. Now, not, not really. You still love them. You just are like, I'm not really drawn to you because like, it's all about you. 
Why can't it be about us? Why can't it be about getting rid of some stuff? Listen to Psalm chapter 90, verse 8. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. See, God is so great. God is omniscient. That just means God knows everything. And God sees all our sins. He sees everything we do, even in secret. And that's really a scary thought when you think about my life and your life is laid bare before the throne of Jesus. And he sees all. So God, help me to keep short accounts. It doesn't mean we're not going to sin, that we're not sinners. It just means we need to keep short accounts of it and we deal with it. And guilt, guilt draws you and me to focus on our past. If, if we walk around and never get rid of our shame and guilt and our secret, then we're always dwelling on what's behind me and we can never press forward to know Christ more fuller in the power of the resurrection. So here's the thought. Just take inventory. For you and me, God, help us to take inventory every day. Lord, you, you, the God gave us a verse, and I'll give it to you. It's uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And when I read it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, I know that, I know that. Well, don't just say you know it. Read it, pray it, meditate on it, memorize it. Uh, let it become a part of who you are. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Your trans, that's from a, a, maybe a translation different from yours. Do it in your translation, but I'm just saying, God, search us. Search me, God. Search my heart. God, search out my secrets that I'm holding from you. Search out my secrets that I'm holding back. God, help me to get free. Help me to accept responsibility for my sin and receive the forgiveness of Christ. We talked about that last weekend about forgiveness, and we talk about that every weekend because you always end up there at the cross the cross. How many of you love this new cross we've got? Isn't that beautiful? Chris, you and Kevin, man, God bless y'all. I love that. Every time I come in here, man, it's just a focal point. It just makes me just always look at the cross. And I love the, the rough design and just what it is it, like, God, I need to go to the cross. And this morning, you're going to have an opportunity. We're going to do a different kind of invitation today. I don't want people to leave. I don't want you to go to lunch early. I don't want you to do it. I just, I'm, I'm going to do this video thing. The, the, the room's going to get dark. Got this song that's just incredible. Although Hobie might come up singing in Spanish, and that'll be even better. But Aaron Keys will do okay. Okay, here it is. Look, look at rear. Fill in the blank. We must have confession. Just write in the word confession. We must have confession. If we want to get rid of guilt, if we want to get rid of shame, if we want to get rid of our secret, we have to confess. And man, I could spend all morning on this. But confession is more than uh, than feeling better. It's about living better. It's not, it's just, God, I want to feel better. I want you to feel better, too. I want everybody to feel good. I want you to all be happy. I want you to be, hey, turn to the person next to you and say, I want you to be happy. Now turn to them and say, but I want you to live better. Yeah. See, God wants us to live better. He wants us to live holy. You're like, I like that. Let's be happy. I don't know about living better. And some of you are like, man, I need to live better. And some of you are like, pastor, like, guys, I got to tell you, I'm a pastor. And, you know, so I go to the grocery store not, not often. Praise God for my wonderful wife. I just don't go because if I go, it's a three-hour deal because I've talked to everybody there. And, uh, but, but, you know, the first few times I went, and when I go, like if I still go by Walmart, you know, God help me for that store, and wherever I go, and I go in there, and, uh, and, and you just you, you see all these people. But I get tired of people avoiding me in public. And they have... They have things in their buggy and they see me in there radar like i thought that was someone's a you know and man they're like and, I, and i'm walking around the store looking for them and they're hiding and i just wish i had a video camera that came out like they're on law seven 
You know, like, hey, man, God knows what you got in the buggy. You know, that's between you and him. But, hey, come on. But people are getting a little bolder now as they come up. And I'm just kind of doing that going, whoa, it's in there, you know. <laughs> you know. And you're saying, what's in there? You talk to the person next to you. Tell them what's in there. I don't know. That's between you and God. I, I, I just want you to live better. I want you to live holy. I want you to have confession. Um, you know, here's the thing. When you and I break the heart of God when we sin against God, so many times we sin against one another, we hurt others. So God wants us to just make it right. That confession, it is a vertical thing, number of priority, right with him, cleansing, forgiveness of Christ. But there's that time where we have to go horizontal where James says, confess your sins, your faults to one another that you might be healed. And, and I open kidding with you about, hey, turn to the person, but now I really do it. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm praying that we'll find strength and courage and find a person that's trustworthy that we can begin to share with. Because in sharing, I think we become more accountable. And confession calls for action, and it's just a holy way. It's like the AA group. We've done a lot of study. We've had several people over years that have been a part of AA, and they, they tell me about the power of community and the power of confession and the power to overcome. And I go, man, that's awesome. And so I was reading this thing, and it talked about, but we need, in the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be that kind of community, but we need some SA meetings. I want you to write down SA in your notes. SA. We get your AA meetings. We need some SA, Sinners Anonymous. How many would sign up for that one? No, wait a minute. Josh, y'all help me. How many would sign up for the Sinners Anonymous group? I'm waiting for all your hands to go up, sinners. Small group quadrupled this morning at Christ Community. And we ought to put that in the worship guide next weekend, SA groups. Just sinners. And, and, here's, and I'm kind of joking, but I'm really not joking. I really think we should start some groups that people just go, man, I can go there and nobody judges me and, I, and I'm found out, but I'm learning to overcome. That's what AA meetings do, except the only problem I have there is they, they never go all the way. They keep talking about the higher power, but the higher power, guys, I know him. His name is Jesus. Amen? And, and that's where I just want AA to go. They have so much Christian underpinnings in their ministry, and I go, praise God, but let's just go all the way to Abba. Let's go all the way to Jesus, okay? I mean, he's got a name. He's a redeemer. He's a deliverer. Man, I, man I'm sorry. I'm, get, I'm not sorry. I'm excited about that. Here, here, just think about this. Identify somebody you can confess to. I'm not saying go public in here and tell everybody. Some people aren't. You don't want to tell them. You tell them, everybody look at me, knows. you're done. But have you found one that you can go to and go, you know, when the pastor read that list and it got quieter than I've ever seen it in here? That's me. I, I think you're a trustworthy friend. Can I share? Now, when you share, so confide in others, James 5, 16. But let me give you some points if you want to write these. Number one, first of all, when you confess, find someone you can trust. Some people can't be trusted. You determine who they are. Secondly, someone who understands the value of what you're doing. They understand that you just want to grow spiritually. You want to be like Christ, and they value you. They want you to be a stronger sister, a stronger brother. Third, someone who is mature enough not to be going, Huh? You did that? Really? I'm shocked. I'm not having fellowship with you. That, that's not going to make for a very good relationship, okay? Just go, man, really? Well, how can we pray? How, how can we walk through that? How can I help you through that sin? How, how can I help you overcome? Fourth, someone who just knows the Lord really well, that they can't help you. They're in their walk of Christ. They're going to keep pointing you to Jesus for freedom because they don't want you to waller in guilt. They don't want you to be heavy-hearted all the time. They want you to be free. Christ died to set us free. 
So the one that, uh, the, the secret that we need to conceal the most is the one that we maybe need to reveal the most. Confess it, number one, to the Father. Ask for His forgiveness, His cleansing, repentance. And then maybe there's one that, you can, that, that conceals secret sin that nobody knows about or maybe they do know about. Re- reveal that one. And I think freedom could follow. How many think this is really good teaching, that this is going to really help you today? Anybody? Somebody's like, well, man, this is like, I wish I'd have brought so-and-so. You see, there we are again. We're talking about somebody else. Let's look at us. Guys, this is one of the hardest messages I've preached in a long time. Like, man, secrets. Like, man, we all have to go in there in the cobwebs and the secrets of our heart, the secret chambers. And God goes, I want to expose that stuff because I want you to be freedom. I want you to have freedom. I don't want you to hide. You know, I just think about, write down this passage. I don't have time, but I'll give it to you. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through uh, 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself with fig leaves. In the gardens where it all started, the fall. Here we are, 2017. We still got fig leaves. We're still hiding. And God's just like, I just want you to bring it into the light. I just think this morning God's creating freedom in people's hearts, and we're going to respond to that in just a minute. And I'm thinking, uh, the Scripture would just say, man, whom have I sinned against? In 2 Samuel 11 and 12, I think it's chapter 12, verse 13, it says, who have I, matter of fact, here, instead of me just trying to get it, I had all these verses I wanted to share with you today. And, uh, but, man, when you go and see this, all right, look at... Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, go down to verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He just confessed, man, I've sinned against Uriah, I've sinned against these, but hey, I've sinned against the Lord. And that's where God wants to bring freedom today. He wants to help us overcome because, uh, Lord, I've sinned. You know what it means, I have sinned? Ownership. I own it. I blew it. Wasn't your fault, my fault. See if David had said, Bathsheba, she shouldn't have been so good looking. Bathsheba shouldn't have been bathing up on the rooftop of the house. It's her fault. David went, no, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, cover up murdering her husband, lying, deceiving, has to send a prophet named Nathan. Man, it's a great, fabulous story. I'm just hoping this is getting you maybe excited about, like today you might go, man, I've lied, I've had an affair, I cheated on my taxes. You know, we just turn our taxes in. You're going, man, I cheated on those. Like, man, I got all this guilt. Man, God just wants you to make it right. He wants to cover that. He wants the snare of secrecy to somehow uh, move back and, and move away and quit justifying uh, your behavior. Let me just give you some points, and we're going to turn to invitation. Transparency is what God is looking for. So here it is. We need to live a, not a life of secrecy, but of transparency. That's what God's calling me and you to as friends as we journey together. God, you, you love transparency. And sometimes we, or we like secrecy. And God says, I want you to bring your secret into the light. And I, I want you to be transparent one to the other. And transparent before me that you just invite me in to search your heart and make it right. Transparency is just the opposite of secrecy. And I think today, man, God is doing some things. He's giving connection. He's, he's drawing people's hearts He's trying to make us new. He's trying to say, man, you've been keeping this secret from me, but you know what? I want you to give it up.